Welcome to Fireside, your source for discussions on not only the latest and greatest from Sitecore, but also helpful tips and tricks. I'm your host and Sitecore MVP, Josh Hover. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the newest features and releases within Sitecore 10.3. I'd like to welcome today's special guest, Martin Miles, six-time MVP and also a solution architect. Welcome to the show, Martin. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about 10.3, which was announced this year at Symposium. And I think really it was a, a much anticipated and really 10.3, even from what Sitecore has stated, is going to help really guide the path into XM Cloud as a stepping stone. But, you know, alone, I think it's packing a lot of really great new features and functionality that are going to be really useful and can be leveraged. So the release was actually officially announced on December 1st of 2022, um, and that was when it became available. So Martin, I know that you've had a lot of new content, especially around this topic. Um, you released a, a blog article, not only about upgrading the Sitecore platform to 10.3 from prior versions, but also you talked a little bit more about what was new in 10.3. So I think a lot of today's conversation and topic will highlight some of that. Yeah, that's true. And uh, you finally mentioned that 10.3 is kind of transitional XM version to XM Cloud. And I'll talk you through why Why is that exactly. You had created a new blog article that was around upgrading 10.3, but I think a really cool call out is that you actually created a, a feature that really helps facilitate that upgrade with 10.3. And I know that you had it for some of the subsequent 10.x versions as well. Can you talk a little bit more about that and what the functionality is? Uh, I believe you are talking about Siphon tool. It has been with us for a while. Siphon is, in my opinion, it's like a Swiss Army knife for site code development. Uh, currently, it does not support containers. I did it experimentally, but there is no need to because containers are naturally done from the CLI interface. But mm -hmm. what Siphon does is actually all the other things. And uh, one of the magic is, for example, Sitecore installation. Like previously, you had uh, Sitecore Instance Manager, which uh, helped you doing all the things, but Siphon takes you to even higher level. Like if you have purely vanilla Windows, you can install Sitecore just in four clicks. You install all the dependencies such as Solar and SQL Server. Then you define which topology you want, whether it's XM or XP, and uh, then you install it. The rest of the dependencies packages, all that comes in the form of plugins, so you can uh, do other bits in a matter of just clicks. It sounds like it took and, quite a bit of legwork out of uh, prior installations. So I know that that would be a really useful tool to anyone that's going through a, a new setup or an upgrade. And not just that, if you are, for example, a business person, marketer, uh, analyst, or even a developer who wants to set up a local uh, development environment, it's much easier to work with Siphon rather than do things manually. Looking at some of the bigger features, I think headless SXA was probably one of the most anticipated features coming into 10.3. You know, it's leveraging Next.js, which is the headless XXA components. But I know that they have a lot of new components that are going to be out of the box, and they're also looking to deprecate some of the older SXA components as well. That's absolutely correct. And uh, they do aim to get a feature parity between uh, SXA headless, the one that runs on XM Cloud, and the one which you get with 10.3 platform. 
the lots of components just gone and you are given just very little set of components out of the box. Uh, very, very basic like rich text, title, promo, container, image, of course, links list, navigation, something like that. And uh, having a SXA, you obviously have rendering variants and having rendering variants, you can create your own uh, component variants. You can also clone components and you can do lots of uh, things you just want to typically do with the classical SXA. The only thing is that it's built above Next.js and the code is written with uh, TypeScript and React, but it's very easy and straightforward as soon as you know how to deal with Next.js um, development. Yeah, and I think that this is definitely going to really help future state the solution as we look forward and clients are looking to make the move to XM Cloud here in the future. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I really admire the, the work that SXA team has done uh, behind the scene. I know Adam Neymanovich, who is the frontman of SXA, he does uh, very good work presenting the product, but much bigger work has done uh, beyond our eyes. There are new some concepts which uh, SXA Headless brought here, for example, pay branches and site-specific standard values. And uh, I heard there will be much more simplicity about cloning websites with all the things preset. So that's that's a really accelerator. And that what is A stands for in this abbreviation. Another thing, by the way, I want to mention is that SXA uh, headless comes with uh, all the CEO concepts done out of the box. And saying that, I mean sitemaps, I mean robots, I mean uh, redirects for both items and uh, redirect maps, error handling. So all the things that typically uh, difficult to get implemented at Sitecore Edge, they are already coming out of the box from SXA. So if you are starting with XM Cloud, that's definitely uh, an option you want to go, especially mm -hmm. given that it comes out of the box. But since we're talking about 10.3 platform, and if you are building a new you probably want to think ahead about migrating to XM Cloud, and that's definite choice you would want to take. Yeah, and even looking at the headless XSA, you know, there's clients that I've, I've talked to that are looking to convert their existing solution to headless in the, the preparation for the future. But, you know, I think that that's definitely a great step uh, to help future-proof their existing solution is taking that step to upgrading their site to headless along with their upgrade to 10.3. Yeah, in my opinion, it's not a big deal if you have already headless solution, uh, mm -hmm. then upgrading it to Next.js will, will come easier. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you have it built with React, of course. Uh, if you have MVC, you unfortunately have to redo all the things from a scratch. There are other options which you can use with uh, MVC solutions to make them, to bring them to Jamstack. Uh, and that coming from 10.2. But if you want to proper, nice, shiny, headless SXA website on your, uh, let's say 10.3 on XM Cloud instance, you unfortunately have to write it everything. Yeah, and I, I think that you brought up a really good point with Jamstack. I think that there's already been this evolution occurring over the last couple of years. And I think that some of the terminology and bringing um, the thought around and articulating this as being headless has really been more recent. But yeah, I think, you know, we've seen sites moving towards Jamstack for several years now. And so I think this is just that next step in evolution. 
and I find it very ironical because uh, remember at the very beginning of the internet what we had it was just static HTML websites static pages and coming back to Jamstack when we have server-side uh, renderings and static generating when we put things into CDN we basically generate uh, HTML and we come to the same place where we started from just a static HTML. The only <laughs> difference is that it now has the big power behind that and all these technologies that generate it, that digest it with the data, but it's still, the job still remains of delivering static HTML to your browser as soon as it's possible. Yeah, really great point. So let's talk a little bit more about Sitecore Forms. That's another area that they've made some improvements on with this release. Um, and I think that really with each major version release of Sitecore, I think we've seen a little bit of an evolution around Sitecore forms, and I think it's been for the better. I think some of the earlier form solutions were, weren't the best, but I, I'm happy to see where we're at today. And I think that this new version really gives a refreshing look about how Sitecore is handling forms. Uh, I personally saw a lack in the forms implementation when it came to Headless. And I just glad to say that it's all been done. Uh, well, th there is some lack in XMCloud implementation, but for the platform, uh, we have it all and version 10.3 features something called embeddable forms framework. And to explain that, if you remember the old good federated experience manager FXM and the way it operates with external websites, if you remember, you could personalize external websites even if those were done without Sitecore, like PHP websites. Yeah. So now with Embeddable Forms Framework, you can simply embed forms to external websites. Uh, you will be able to validate against the input data. You will be able to get the data back. And the interesting thing is that it's built with Tailwind CSS. So yeah, in, in, in that manner that it does not interfe interfere with the outer website. So it does not break any of your existing styling and just naturally fits in, into wherever you place it. Interesting. That's really yeah. great to have. Yeah, I think that'll be really great. And I think that that'll help bring that content and data back into, I mean, the data points into Sitecore, which is, is always good for tracking within analytics. Uh, the only thing that you need to keep in mind is that uh, this embeddable framework, it works above Headless Services 21, which has been introduced to Sitecore 10.3. So these two are prerequisites. Sitecore introduced webhooks with their other SaaS product offerings. But do you want to talk a little bit more, Martin, about what some of the benefits to a webhook is for maybe listeners that might not be familiar with a webhook? Yeah, absolutely. So if you recap back to Sitecore XP or XM architecture, um, the way that it operate you under the hood, it was pipelines and events. So if you, for example, modify or create new item, what happened in that case? There was event sent. And uh, because of that architecture, it was just an internal event. Of course, you can publish it to event queue, but it would be consumed only by Sitecore XP be between themselves. And uh, getting back to my earlier point that we are coming to the SaaS world and that uh, 
Dan3 is kind of transitional version that wants to simplify your way to exam cloud. Uh, webhooks are naturally in naturally fits that gap. So instead of sending internal event, what happens is uh, a webhook is raised. So webhook, in fact, is just an HTTP request that being triggered by a system. In our case, that would be XP or XM 10.3 that comes to some another system which you specify. It carries out some payload and uh, the one that you can consume and use wherever it is. So imagine you have lots of different components in your composable architecture, such as order cloud. Let's say we, we have XM 10.3. Let's say we have content hub and all these components are distributed. They are standalone components. They need to operate in somehow. And for example, if you modify some item in your uh, 10.3 platform and you want to inform other system, how would you do that? And webhooks naturally fill that gap. And I think that the fact that they're now introducing them into the workflow as well is going to be incredibly useful as we move forward. Yeah, yeah. And not just not just workflow, there's other bits of uh, system you can work with webhooks. GraphQL and authoring for the management API. I know that that's a brand new feature within 10.3. Um, what are your thoughts around GraphQL for authoring? Um, so this authoring and management API, I would treat it like the other direction of webhooks. So that fills another gap of composable architecture. Uh, when we are talking about webhooks, this is the way of uh, XMXP platform to notify other systems of changes being done to the platform itself so that subscribers can get this information and make use of that. But if these other systems or subscribers, or it can be literally anything, wants to manipulate XMXP platform, how do they do that? So now, starting with turn three, you can utilize GraphQL. Uh, management API to do all the things around the, let's say, items. So when we speak about items, you can do pretty everything. Uh, you can do, as I remember, you can do lots of things you can do with the UI, but you will yep. do that through GraphQL. And the only thing that is not yet implemented, again, as far as I remember, is uh, users, roles, and security part. Okay. I like how you really tied GraphQL into the webhooks portion, and I think that the two of those, along with headless, are really what's helping be the milestone for creating that stepping stone into the the XM cloud environment. So I, I think that you did a really great job pulling those together. I did highlight that in my blog, so if you are interested in more details, please uh gets to the URL that will be attached below and uh, that there's lots of insights I'm sharing about the new architecture and about the migration path to XM Cloud from Tan3. So that there's lots always to learn. Great. Yeah, I'll make sure that I include a link to those posts for others to be able to read those as, as well. Um, I know that they are introducing a, a new layer of database encryption as well. And that's um, transparent database encryption. You know, I, th I think that there's going to be that that's going to introduce um, that additional layer of security, of course. But I think that that's also 
now leveraging transparent database encryption. I think that that's really going to help with the, the future security within the Sitecore ecosystem. The one utilize uh, data trust encryption principle. And basically what it means is that once you write physical data in into your database tables, it's been encrypted on the fly uh, for your particular uh, SQL user. And once you read, it will be decrypted for your user role. And uh, performance-wise, it's quite impressive in terms of read. It's almost no penalties for this decryption. Uh, encryption, of course, uh, costs uh, more than <laughs> more than that. <laughs> right. But again, thinking about the 2022 as a year in terms of cybersecurity, there were so many leaks and so many databases being just gone. <laughs> for some reason. And in that case, it gives you at least some sort of uh, peace of mind that if your database gets stolen uh, without having right permissions, no one would decrypt your data in the raw format. I'm gonna jump in there and say that that was not unique to the Sitecore world, that was just in general. Yes, this is not a silver bullet for your security, but at least it makes things more difficult to cyber criminals. Yeah, that extra layer of uh, enhanced security. You know, really, as we talk more about the items and resources, what that did was instead of going into making um, the asset images, it then allows you to create the protoboof. Protoboof, I don't know how it spells right. Let's but this protoboof. is the Google protocol. This is Google protocol that been for probably decade with us. And it's, it's reliable, but Sitecore decided to use that. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what changes were introduced in 10.3 for, for items and resources? So the whole idea behind items and resources is to simplify your database upgrade. So it has protobuf protocol under the hood. And if very simplified, treat that like a compact disk, which has lots of data that is read-only in the same manner that you have a file with some default database items that are read-only. So previously, before 10.1, you had database that contained some default items. They were actually written into the SQL database tables. From 10.1, your database comes pretty empty. It only has two records for the home page, but none of these default items, templates, and all the important bits is any longer in the database. Instead, it's written into these uh, items as resources files, and it it's been placed under your update folder uh, okay what happens is that protocol merged that into your uh, sitecore item tree on the fly and uh, you see them like a natural items you cannot delete them well of course you can interfere on the protocol level and uh, you can just uh, hide them from being shown but in reality they still keep they still are stored in the files and uh, the bigger reason why these item resources were introduced is that from version 10, we do things in containers and upgrading database uh, and solutions for existing solutions in containers, it, it's very painful. So file system is naturally fits container thin, well, world of thinking and just substituting these default items is that how we now upgrade uh, site code databases beyond version 10.1. And I, I think that the introduction of containers was a really great, uh, thoughtful approach 
and it, it I think it made the the solution a little bit more simplistic um, for managing code. Do you have any thoughts around any anything new that was released as far as um, 10.3 was concerned? Uh, what I see is that all these existing components were updated. Uh, for example, as we know in 10.3, uh, Sitecore host get an update to .NET 6.0, which is LTS. Mm-hmm. And all the underlying components were also updated to that runtime. And of course, that is reflected in containers. Uh, there are no new features. Existing features get updated. And the biggest promise was that we get um, server 2022 support for the runtime. And I assume that also should be implemented on the container base images. That yep. is something that we didn't get with the initial release of 10.3, but the promise was that we see that early January or maybe mid-January. So we'll need to stay tuned for any release updates in January, especially around containers. I think that about wraps up our show today on what is new with Sitecore 10.3. I'd like to give a special thanks to Martin for joining today's show. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. Appreciate it having you. All right. I'm your host, Josh Hover. Thanks for joining today's podcast. Stay tuned for our future sessions.